You know, in March of 2020, seems like the world turned upside down. Um, everything changed, everything that we've known in life, everything. I mean, I, I've never been to a grocery store before in my life and seen empty shelves. I, I've never seen Walmarts closed down because they didn't have supplies in the store. I've never seen a lot of things. I've never seen hospitals packed to capacity. I've never seen the military have to put hospital ships offshore because of the multitude of people that, that were sick. So, so in all honesty, what has happened in our world has, has set off a, a lot of darkness. There, there's a lot of fears. We have people right now who have COVID and they have fears. Some of our elders have COVID. They have justifiable fears. Some of our children have COVID and some of our children with some underlying health issues that's going to make this a critical situation have some very justifiable fears. There's a lot of anxiety going on. And the truth is, we may have gotten a little more accustomed to this lifestyle. We may have gotten a little more used to things being a little bit different than when it first started. But that doesn't take away the anxiety. The uncertainties of, of the times still exist. Many people have suffered through all the different types of COVID. Many of you in here, you have lost family members. You've lost loved ones as a result of COVID. There's not one of us in here. There's not one of us out there on live stream or YouTube or anywhere else that this is aired. There's not one of us that has not lost somebody that means an awful lot to us. From COVID, we've lost friends and, and family, loved ones. We've lost church members. We, we've lost a lot of people that, that are dear to our heart. Many people have lost jobs as a result from COVID. Many people have lost a way of health. Um, there, there's still a lot of after effects to many people that have had bad cases of COVID. That there, There's still issues with breathing and energy and a lot of things that, that still go on. For anybody that is brave enough, is a good word I guess I'll use, if you're brave enough to watch the news, all they see is reports of global pandemic, murder, violence, hate crimes, uh, all, all types of, of violence. We, we have faced, this is just my opinion, but I feel like we have faced more fear, more anxiety, more uncertainties in the last 18 months of my life than all of the years prior to combined for me. I've just seen a lot that, that I never thought I'd see in my lifetime. There, there, there's always been fear of what if, I, what if we had a grandchild? What would they grow up in? What would it be like? And I was worried about what they would see, but I'm worried now about what, what we're seeing. We're not the only ones that's been through some hard times. David, the writer of many of the Psalms, went through a lot of hard times in his life. He went through a lot of difficult situations. Tim was talking about, about being faithful to the end. I couldn't help but think about this message and how God was faithful to the end. God had David anointed that he would be future king over Israel. But David had to go through some fearful times. David had to, to run from Saul. The only thing he ever did for Saul was respect him. The only thing he ever did is honor him as, as the anointed, but yet Saul seemed to have one ambition in life, and, and that was to kill David. 
Even though David was anointed to be future king, David is on the run. He's hiding out in caves. He's living with a handful of men, trying just to survive. He has a promise from God. Somebody's going to need this before we finish this morning. He has a promise from God of some things that are going to take place, but he ain't seen none of it yet. He's having to hold on to that song. He's having to hold on that God is faithful to the end. All he can do is wait. Sometimes in our lives, we just have to wait. Sometimes in our life, we, we just have to hold on. I think it was last week, maybe the week before, I said waste, uh, waiting time is not wasting time when we're waiting on the things of God. Sometimes we have to wait uh, to see God do things, to see God orchestrate things in such a way that when it comes to pass, there is no way to deny that it was anybody but God. There is no way to look back at the situation and say nothing but God could have orchestrated that and could have brought that to happen the way that it has happened. Psalm chapter 121, it starts out by telling us right here at the top that this is a song of degrees. The word song is, is simply that. It's a musical story. It is telling a story um, by way of music. It is adding some, some harmony to the story. But then there's this word degrees, and if I've looked it up, I don't remember looking it up before, and I honestly cannot imagine why I have not looked up that word degrees, a song of degrees. It is elevation. It, it means to, to take a journey to a higher place. It, it is climatic progression. The psalm starts out by telling us that this is a song that will take us from the wilderness and put our feet on higher ground. Oh, that meant something to me. This is a song that is telling us that it will lift us out of the dark places and give us a new joy. Lift us out of troubles and trials and give us a new place, a new hope, a new thing to hold on to. It says here that I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. For the Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. I want to look at a message this morning on shining through the dark. God, thank you so much for being a light that never fades. A light that never fails, a light that never dims, a light that never changes, a hope that we can hold on to, a certainty that, that never becomes uncertain, God, an, an anchor that never turns loose. God, thank you for being everything, exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Thank you, God, for loving us the way that you do. God, I thank you for the choir and for the band this morning, for the music, for the praise, God. It is our prayer that you alone are pleased, God. I, I pray, Father, that you've been exalted, God. I ask you now, with your sweet Holy Spirit, continue to move in this place. God, I pray for everybody present, everybody listening by way of, uh, of, of live stream or wherever they may be, God. I pray that your sweet Holy Spirit would reach out 
and speak to each one of us, God. We just want to be pleasing to you. Father, I pray you bless this time and help us, God. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If we, if we back up a few pages into Psalm chapter 5, we, we see a psalm of David. It says it's to the chief musician at Nahiloth. He says, give ear to my words, O Lord. That sounds like a pretty desperate prayer to me. That, that sounds like, Lord, I, I need you to listen right now. I, I need for you to hear me. I've got something going on. I need, give ear to me, O Lord. That, that sounds like a very familiar prayer to me. It hadn't been too far back that I felt that same type of desperation. It's like David is saying, Lord, I am in a situation. I need for you to come to me. I need for you to hear my prayer. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. That phrase there, look up, comes from a word that simply means to keep watch or to watch for. It is to wait and look with expectation. So David says, Lord, I'm going to come to you in the morning. I'm going to bring my prayer to you in the morning. I'm going to bring my praise, but I'm also going to bring my petition. I'm going to bring what I need, and then I'm going to spend the day looking up, waiting in great expectations for answers. Another word that we see often in the Word of God is the word selah. I, I do all my studying, all my reading from, from this King James. So when I give you numbers, I'm, I'm referring to this one. But in, in this King James, the word selah is written 75 times. 71 of those are right here in the book of the Psalms. It, it is a word that means a suspension. It is like a suspension of music. It means to make a pause. Take time to reflect on the things of God. Take time to reflect on, on the goodness. Consider the things of God. Well, when we look at the life of David, we can see that David wasn't any different than you and I. When, when David felt fear, he poured out his heart to God. When David felt anxiety, he poured out his heart to God. When David felt anger, he pours out his heart to God. David didn't receive the promise that, hey, you're going to be king and then turn right around and immediately become king. David had to wait. David had to endure some things. David ha had to hold on. And in the meantime, he had to pursue God. So praising God while waiting, David drew even closer to God. David had learned that the more we worship God, the more we become empowered by God. The more we thank God, the more thankful we will become. The more we praise God, the more we can feel joy in our lives in spite of our circumstances. The more we express our love to God, the more we fall in love with God. David says there in chapter 5, in the morning I'm going to pray. I'm going to praise you and then I'm going to look up and I'm going to wait with great expectations. There's not one of us in here, there's not one of us out there. We all deal with with stuff. We, we all go through things. We all have fear. We all have doubt. 
We all have anxiety. All of these are natural reactions to troubling situations. You know, when we're sad, we don't really feel like laughing. Anybody say amen? You know, you know there, there's times that you just don't feel like things. When we're afraid, we don't feel like rejoicing. When, when we're broken and burdened and beat down, we don't feel like jumping up and down and shouting hallelujah right then. One of the things that I see from studying through the Psalms is that the psalmists don't hold back anything from God. They have a complete liberty. They have a, a complete freedom. God wants us to come to him and pour out our hearts, pour out our feelings. Many of the psalms are laymented prayers. Laymented prayers is one that is filled with questions. It's filled with sorrow. It's filled with tears and, and with deep Regret the psalmist, they don't hold back their praise to God. I'll give you that. They're very good at praising God, but they also they don't hold back their fears. They don't hold back their feelings. They don't hold back sharing their frustrations with God. They don't hold back the anxieties that they're facing. They don't hold back their doubts. When they come to God, they come to God as an open book. That they bring everything into the throne room. Psalm 56 3. David said, What time I am afraid. I will trust in thee. They're, they're just very real with God. Many times what we see is that their weeping is their praise. Psalm chapter 42, verse number 1, To the chief musician, Mashiach, for the sons of Korah, As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night. Boy, I saw he's been crying for a minute, don't it? Sounds like things hadn't been exactly good for a little while. My tears have been my meat day and night. While they continually say unto me, where is thy God? And I remember these things. I pour out my soul in me for I had gone out with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember thee from the land of Jordan, from the Hermonites, from the hill Mizar. When we begin to, to praise God, it begins to remove fears. It begins to remove anxieties. It's something you may want to write down in your little note section. We cannot praise God and not be changed. We cannot praise God and not be changed. Praise renews our courage. It strengthens our certainty. It increases our faith. The fact is God desires for us to be honest with him. God desires for us to bring our feelings to him. Yes, God desires our praise. Yes, God expects us to come to him with praise, but it needs to be a sincere praise. Praise him for his goodness and, and then be real. Sometimes when we come to God, anybody besides me, sometimes you just need to be real. Sometimes I just need to vent a little bit. Am I by myself? Sometimes I, I just... Need to pout like a youngin. Sometimes I just need to get some things off my chest. Sometimes, this ain't a good one, but it don't change the fact. Sometimes I just need to complain a little bit. Sometimes it ain't quite like I drew it up on paper. 
I was talking about earlier, I had everything all lined out, and, and it ain't turning out that way. So, sometimes I, I just need to be real with God. I just need to share what's on my heart. God promises to be close to those who have a broken heart. Psalm 34, 18, I think I may have read it last week, but the Lord is nigh to them that have a broken heart, and save as such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of who? The righteous. But the Lord delivereth them out of them all. Being a good Christian doesn't mean you have to be happy all the time. Thank God. It doesn't mean you have to always run around and be happy and, and full of joy and always have a smile. We are human beings with human feelings, and feelings get hurt. Emotions are very real. We, we don't have to be happy for God to hear us. We don't have to be happy for God to listen to us. We don't have to be happy for God to get involved in a conversation with us. God wants us to come to Him just like we are, and God will meet us in whatever condition we're in. Is that not crazy to you? That the Creator of all the universe will come to where I am, listen to my whining, listen to my complaining. When He knows, He knew it before I ever got to where I was. He knew the end before the beginning ever got there. But yet the Creator of the universe will come sit down right where I am and let me wallow in my pity and love me. Long-suffering, patience. Mercy, forgiveness, grace, abundant. God hears and keeps every single prayer that we pray. Revelation chapter 5 verse 8. When he had taken the book, the four beasts, the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of, of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Careful what you pray. They mean so much to God that he keeps them forever. Anybody have something that you hold on to that is absolutely meaningless, but it cannot be replaced in your world? Just give you an idea. A few years ago, I was cleaning out some stuff. I found a check from probably early 2000s. Apparently, I was supposed to went and picked up some materials or something, and my mom signed a company check, and I never used it. And I ran across that check. It ain't nothing but my mom's signature. Don't mean nothing to you. Don't mean nothing to nobody else. But it's something to me. I've got things that can't be replaced. That's what our prayers are to God. My prayer might not mean anything to you. Your prayer may not mean anything to others. But they're so important to God that he keeps them forever. Your broken hearts, the tears that we shed. Psalm 56, 8 says, Thou tellest my wanderings, thou put my tears into thy bottle. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. For this I know, for God is for me. In today's world, sometimes the tendency to complain is, just because other people have more than we do. We, we see what other people have got, and we, we complain, and we compare to, to what they have versus what we have. Do you know that 1% that of the world's population has more money than the rest of the world combined? 
That top 1% is a wealthy bunch. There are 62 people in the world who have more assets than over half of the world combined. 62 people. Now, we choose who to compare ourselves to. We can compare ourselves to the 62 multi-billionaires and look at what they have that we don't have, or we can look and compare ourselves to the 3.6 billion people who are living well below the poverty line. We, we choose what we want to compare things to. If we look at the fact that, that we and our family have a roof over our head, a car to take us where we need to go, clothes on our back, and, and food on our table, then what difference does it make what somebody else has got? God's been more than good to me. God's been more than deserving to us. We have all that we need. While it's true God wants us to come with our feelings, it's also important to remember that complaining can take away contentment if we're not careful. Paul says, be content with such as you have. It's easy to begin to lose the contentment if we spend too much time in our complaining. But then on the other hand, praise seems to take away my need to complain. When, when I spend my time praising God and thinking of all the things that I have and all the goodness and all the blessings and all that he's done, I begin to lose my, my need to complain. I begin to see the goodness of God in my life. I wonder... I wonder what it would look like if we could just come to a place in our lives where we were just so truly thankful for Jesus, so truly thankful for, for salvation, and so thankful for what we do have that we could honestly just go to God in prayer and say, thank you, thank you, God, for I lack nothing. Thank you for all that you have done. The, the truth is, what we face every day is real. The battles are real. The things that we go through are, are, are real. The, the fears that we face, the, the, the emotions, the anxieties, the, the hurts, all of the disappointments, all of those are things that we deal with that they're a result, they're a result of the enemy that we face every day. Now, God gave us some things through the hand of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 to deal with the enemy. He told us in verse number 11 to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Everything that we're dealing with is the problem of the devil. Everything that we're dealing with, no matter how it comes or where it comes from, it's all created by the devil. He says in verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. The devil is out to steal our joy. The devil is working 24-7, nonstop, without ever taking a break, to, to take away your joy, to destroy your life. The devil is a liar. The devil is a thief. He will lie to you to make you feel miserable, to try to take away things that don't belong to him. But he can have no victory over the Word of God. God has given us a, a list of, of defensive weapons there that, that we can use, but we also have some offensive capabilities. We can crush the enemy with praise. We can defeat the enemy with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That is the only offensive weapon that we're given 
in that passage. Everything else is for defensive protection, but this is our offense. This is what we use to charge forward. I wonder, anybody have any allergies? Bad allergies, good allergies, really allergic to something, somewhere? Anybody have a really bad allergy like I can't even see it and I kind of... What, what is the best way to avoid an allergic reaction? Perfect. Stay away from it. The devil is allergic to praise. The devil is allergic to true worship. The devil is allergic to the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, son of the living God, born of a virgin named Mary, died on Calvary's cross, shed his blood for remissions of sin, raised from the grave the third day to give us death, hell, and life, or death and life over death, hell, and the grave, that he gives us victory over death. The devil can't stand the name of Jesus Christ. The devil can't stay in a room that is filled with praise. The devil can't stay in a room where God's children are lifting up and worshiping. The devil is allergic to the name of Jesus. He's allergic to praise. And if you want him out of your life, just spend time praising God. When we want him out of here, we just spend time praising God. I want to read another story. When, when, we, when we create a place of praise, we create an environment where the devil cannot stay. When we create an environment of worship, when we come in here as God's children, when we come together, no matter how many of us are together, if we come together and we begin to praise God, and we create an environment of praise, Satan's got to get and when the devil can't stay around and the Holy Spirit is the only one in town, chains get broken, walls get knocked down, burdens get lifted, families get restored, prodigals get called home. God begins to move in an area where, where praise and worship is offered. I, I want to read a story. I want you, if you would, to get your Bibles back out and turn to um, 2 Chronicles in chapter 20. Before I, before I read the story, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm going to read this. I'm going to read for a few minutes. I'm going to read, oh, let's see. We're going to read probably a little over half of this chapter. It won't take but just a minute, and, and then we're going to close and be done. But, but there's something here I want to share, and I want to make sure that we understand this passage as we read it. A multitude has come, a multitude of an army has come against Judah and Jerusalem, come against King Jehoshaphat. Several continents have come together to form one army, and here they're coming against Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat calls for everybody to pray and to fast. Would to God we'd have a leader like that today in the United States of America that would call a country to prayer and to fasting, not, not before the little G gods and the false gods or whoever you pray to, but to the one true and living God to have a leader that calls them to pray and to fasting. He calls, and then in the presence of the people, he says, God, didn't you tell us not to kill these people? You promised this land to Abraham, your friend forever. You promised that this would be the promised land. You'd give it to them. We come over. You ran the people out. 
from in front of your people, Israel. But you've told them, don't kill these people. Don't, don't erase them from the earth. And now because they've been left here, as a reward, they've all come together. And they have come here to kill us. And we have no might that can stand against these people. But here's what he says, but our eyes are on you. This army's bigger than us. This problem's bigger than us. Anybody got something like that in your life? It don't have to be an army coming from several continents. You got something in your life that's bigger than you? He says, here comes something in my life. This is bigger than me. This is bigger than us. But our eyes are on you. What are you going to do? Look with me if you would. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab, the children of Ammon, with them the other beside the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. And there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on the side of Syria. Behold, there be in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord, proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. He said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? Rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before the people of Israel and gave us to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? They dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us, as with the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. Now behold, the children of Ammon and Moab, Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O oh, our God, wilt not thou judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do. But our eyes are upon thee. All Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, Levite, of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go you down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and you shall find them at the end of the brook. Therefore the wilderness of Jeruel, you shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed tomorrow. And go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. All Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. 
The Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korhites stood in the praise of the Lord Israel with a loud voice on high. They praised the Lord. You understand, they see a promise. It ain't there yet. They're praising him for what they're looking forward to. They rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. So shall you be established. Believe his prophets. So shall you prosper. When he consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. And to say, Praise the Lord. For his mercy endureth forever. When they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah. And they were smitten for the children of Ammon and Moab, stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked into the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. I, I, I want you to look at the key points here in the story real quick. Keep your Bible there. You may want to underline a, a couple of things. It, it says here that when he prayed and he fasted, he, he presented his case unto the Lord. The Lord's answer in verse 17 was, Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. At the end of the verse, he says, for the Lord will be with you. Verse number 18, Jehoshaphat bows his head with his face to the ground. All Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. The victory hasn't come yet. The enemy is still there. The mountain hasn't been moved. The problem hasn't gone away. Everything looks now just like it did five minutes ago. The situation still stands in front of them, but God said, I got this covered, and they begin to worship the Lord. But you got to love verse 21. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. What's that got to do with war? That they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. The choir went ahead of the army. Imagine being part of that army. Several continents have come together. You know they have no chance against you. You know that they're some bad dudes. I mean, you've seen what they've done in the past. But all these continents gather. They're, they're just like little nothing. You come to destroy them. You expect Israel to come out. You expect Judah to come out and to give it their best. But they have no chance. So here you are with your sword drawn, bow in hand, whatever it is, prepared to do battle. And here comes the choir. Now here's what Jehoshaphat did. Obviously, if they went before the army, he got his army ready. He got his army prepared. They put on their armor. They shod themselves. They did everything that they were supposed to do, and they are prepared to go into battle. He has the army ready, but he says the choir is going to go first. Wow. <laughs> Verse 22, when they began to sing and to praise... The Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah. 
and they were smitten. When we begin to praise God, at that moment, the enemy is defeated. Regardless of the circumstance, regardless, the delivery may not be at that moment. You may still have to put on your armor. You may still have to go like you're going into battle. But at the moment we begin to praise God, the devil cannot stay in a room filled with praise. The devil cannot stay in a room where the word of God is being read out loud. The devil cannot stay in a place where God is the ultimate source and all of your attention is on praise and worship and reading this book. When we praise Jesus for who he is, the devil's got to get out of town because that's who he is. He simply cannot stay around praise. So we continue. Band, you guys come on. I think you're going to do a song. We continue to look towards New Year's resolutions. I mean, we're only here in the, in the second week of the year. I, I wonder, <clears throat> everybody faces different problems. But everybody goes through something. Food problems, allergy problems. It may, may be something more serious, drug problems, alcohol problems, things you look at problems. Th things that, that have a stronghold in, in our lives. Whatever it is, I wonder if we could truly hand it over to God and then begin to praise God for the victory that we know is coming. Begin to praise God that I know it's not my battle. I've created this, I put it here, but I'm handing it to you, I'm trusting you, and I'm going to praise you with everything in me. <clears throat> David says, I'm going to praise you in the morning. I'm going to bring my petitions to you in the morning. Every day, whatever complaints, whatever I have on my heart, I I'm coming to you in the morning, and then I'm going to spend my day not just waiting, I'm going to spend my day looking up with great expectations. Because I have brought it to the God who I know can deliver. My, my situation may be dark. My, my circumstances may, may be hard. The, the world around us is certainly a dark place right now. Everything that we look at seems to be confusion and uncertainties and, and darkness. But I'm going to begin to pray in the darkness and I'm going to look up. I'm going to look for the light. To come piercing through the darkness. You know, we've talked about it a lot. Light and darkness cannot cohabitate. If you're in the dark, it's because you're not inviting the light. It doesn't matter how dark a place you're in. When you turn on the light, darkness has got to get out of town. If you flip a light switch on, it's not dark and light combined. It becomes light. When we truly begin to put the light into our dark places, when we truly begin to apply the light to our dark circumstances, when we truly begin to call on the light, when the light shines through the darkness, darkness has got to leave. But it starts with praise. My favorite part of that story is that he sent the choir out ahead of the army. And when the choir started singing praises, nothing else had to happen. They're going to sing a song. I wonder if we could just praise the herd away. I wonder if we could just, just praise him. I, I wonder if we got issues that we need to bring to him. I, I know COVID and things are different. If you want to come to the altar, I don't have any problem with that. You might just space yourselves out a little bit. <clears throat> Wear a mask, whatever you need to do to protect yourselves. But, but bring your petitions. Bring, bring your complaints. But bring your praise. If you want to do it right where you're at, if you just want to sing with these guys and praise, if we could in. 
invite a, an area of praise to create an environment for God to do something special. If you guys just stand where you're at, you can pray where you are. Come here and pray if you need to. Pray for others or just sing and worship. Let's just praise Him. I lift my hand 